this is going to be my first technically real episode discussing war, historical wars and historical battlefields. Or battles, sorry. And for maybe the first two or three episodes, we are going to be discussing the type of weaponry or weapons used in this war. And it was everything from cap and ball pistols to flintlock pistols to flintlock rifles to cap and ball rifles to revolving rifles to revolvers to cartridge rifles to sharp carbines to artillery and from submarines and to ships. Which is real interesting because I don't think of a war er, so early in its time to have used all of those types of um, weapons. So what we are going to be discussing now is the Atston Model 1842 pistol. So Henry Atston won a contract from the War Department in 1845 to provide the Union Army with at least 30,000 of these uh, 1842 pistols. And it can be seen to have a shorter stock and other minor differences from the Navy variant. And um, the Atston Model 1842 pistol was not a revolver, it was a pistol. And there were no cartridge pistols or cartridge revolvers used in this, the Civil War, so this would obviously have either, either been a flintlock pistol or a cap-and-ball pistol, and this specific model was a cap-and-ball, and what how it would work is you would put the, the powder in the, sorry, you would put the powder in the barrel, then you would take the ramrod, you would put the ball into the barrel, ram it into the barrel, pull the hammer to half-cock, put the cap onto the little um, button, so it, it would... F- um, firmly fit around the button and then you would put it to full cock so you could fire and it would be ready and half cock was normally um, safety and then full cock was normally um, fire which I never really understood because half cock is just half of the way closer to being able to fire it so I thought um, that was pretty funny um, now what we will be discussing is um, Colt Colt was a very famous and well-known, really well-known for its revolvers, I can tell you that much. And I don't want to say, they definitely did not invent the revolver, but they really did make it famous and really make make it work. So... What the first Colt that we are going to be looking at is, um, the Colt Dragoon, otherwise known as the Horse Pistol, um... The earlier Colt Walker revolver, also known as the the Whitney the Whitneyville Walker or Colt Model 1847, was designed for the use by the U.S. Army's Mounted Rifles or the USMR, which were also known by the European name of Dragoons. The Walker was a six-shot revolver chambered in 44 caliber. The weapon had a nine-inch barrel and overall length of elite of 15.5 inches, and um, as like I said before, it was cap and ball. So what it would work a little different this time. You would put the powder in the cylinder, which is what had the revolver, the sorry, the um, ball in it. You put the powder in, then you would put the ball on the outside, and normally under the barrel there would be a lever, and you would pull the lever down, and it would shove like a, a ramrod 
into the cylinder so you wouldn't have to take the ramrod out of its pouch per se and shove it into the barrel. This time you'd be pulling the hammer down, sorry not the hammer, you'd be pulling a lever down under the barrel that would be sh shoving a rod into the cylinder um, packing in the, the, the powder and the ball which made it a lot more convenient but did not make it that much faster. <laughs> Definitely did not. Um, so, and it was, and it normally weighed at least four pounds and nine ounces. Um, it was not very reliable. It led to the development of the Cold Dragoon or Model 1848, which, of which some 20,000 were produced for the, the United States government. All, all Dragoons carried a six forty-four caliber caliber rounds in an un- in a unfolded cylinder, many of which were engraved with battle scenes and marked with marked with U.S. Dragoons. It was a single-shot revolver with a 7.5-inch barrel and overall length of it of at least 14 inches, which we were talking about the 18, the 1848, right now. Um, the weight was brought down to about four pounds, and it was very robust with the barrel keyed to the chamber axis pin and supported by a solid lug keyed to the lower frame. So that's just a that's a little bit about the uh, the Colt Dragoon. Now we're gonna be getting past the Colts. We are still gonna discuss the Colts um, a little bit more, but that's gonna be a tad bit later. And, um, uh, now we should, now let's talk about the, the Duringer, the, sorry, the during the, I don't know how to pronounce that, the Duringer pocket pistols. Um, Henry, Dur Henry Duringer Sr. and his son Henry Duringer Jr. were gunsmiths in, in the, in the city of Philadelphia in you know, which is obviously part of the Union Army when the Civil War started to come about. Sorry. Um, and from the early 1800s until the la until the latter's death in 1869, following the company struggled for 10 years and then went out of business, sadly. Because, you know, who doesn't like a, a gun-producing company? I don't know. <laughs> Would that be the word? I don't know. But by far, its most famous product was was the large caliber, very small sized single shot cap cap lock pocket pistol, which was widely widely imitated under the generic name Duringer or Durang Duringer. At some point, and for unknown reasons, the name became misspelled with with a with a double R. Duringer pistols were usually produced in in pairs in pairs. Um, but not in the case of the two seen, seen here on one be sorry, one being chambered in 45 caliber with a, uh, 5.3 inch barrel, while the other is ch chambered in 44 caliber with a 4.3 inch barrel. Not really a military handgun, but, but sometimes were used in concealable personal defense weapons. And the reason they were known as pocket pistols is because they were super small 
you can hide them almost anywhere and people wouldn't really be able to s spot them and they were a cap lock which means um you would you, not i guess you, how i described it would be a cap and ball but it would be known as a cap lock because there is the match lock the cap lock and i'm pretty sure then it went to cartridge i might be wrong but i'm pretty sure that is the order that it went into but now uh, how about we talk about some let's move away from the revolvers don't don't worry I, uh, we will be coming back to them I love revolvers as much as the next man but I feel like we've talked enough about the revolvers and um let's see here and I don't know if you can tell but I am totally flipping through my book <laughs> that um that I have that has um all of mo at least most I would say about 93% of all the weapons used in the Civil War. But let's move on and talk about cavalry. Let's talk about the cavalry carbines, shall we? Let's see here. Let's talk. Now cavalry carbines were still um Hmm. Yeah, let's let's talk about cavalry carbines. Sorry for that little delay. There, trying to think of what to say. So, let's talk about the ball lever action carbine. So, this gun was um, delivered too late for action, it, but it is gen generally considered a Civil War weapon. Only 1,002 were made, having seen having been con contracted in 1864 by the federal government. And they were delivered in May 1865, so real late. I'm not quite sure when. <coughs> <coughs> oh my goodness, sorry about that. I'm not quite sure when the Civil War had officially ended, but I know that's way too late for it to be able to see con. con combat sorry this is my first episode so cut me some slack um but it was manufactured by lamson and co windsor vermont in windsor in win in windsor vermont my goodness this is a seven shot rim fire repeat repeating arm operated by a lever which if you don't know is like something that that's right by the trigger and when you push down, it opens, it's a lever, you, it opens up. <laughs> and then, what it would do is, uh, which doubles as, as the, yeah, it would double as the trigger guard. The left-hand side of the receiver has a robust single saddle, sorry, robust saddle, saddle ring. I'm not good at reading, as you can tell. A saddle ring on a sliding lug. Um, it has a two-piece walnut stock with with a three-quarter length fore and fastened by two bar barrel bands. The finish case hardened brown with the standard six-line marking on the left side of the frame. The stock has an an inspector's couch that's super French. 
marked uh, GGS on the left side. And so what would happen is it would be like a, it would kind of be like a, yeah, yes, let me rephrase this. It technically, it is a cap and ball um, rifle or cap lock rifle. And you would shove the, the, you put the powder and the gun, you would shove the ball down there with a ramrod. But this time it would be, you, you would, there'd be a lever that would lift up the, uh, lift up the, I guess, button for you to put the cap on. Then you would slide it back, you would put the lever back down to, so it would be covering. And it, so it would be acting as the trigger guard. And you would, you would be, you'd, there you go, you would be able to fire it. Um, it was, uh, it was calibered in 54, and, um, the origin was, um, Bill Harz Hall and Company in the, I don't know how to pronounce that, in Virginia, So I will say, but that is where I will leave you all off, and we will discuss more about these weapons. Next episode will be about revolving rifles, which these are a doozy, I can tell you that much, but I will see you all on the next episode.